I think the, the I think the mantra we uh, we discovered a couple of years ago uh, stop doing business start being human is still quite valid so maybe uh, maybe we should stick to this I mean if, if we would be able to just stop doing business and start being humans you know think about well you guys think about your own families I mean how sick would it be if you would run your families like a company I mean there's just no way. I mean, it's about love, and it, 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 it's 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 un, it's unconditional, and all these its elements. It's all in there. Human nature. That that is also part of that crappy economy ideology that we are selfish, uh, only uh, only interested in our own uh, good, utility driven. It's that's all part of the narrative. It's a myth. It's bullshit. Um, so I think if we if we could just all stop doing business and start being human, we, um, we can get uh, very far. Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. This episode of the podcast is another recording from our weekly Friday Fireside Show. It was recorded on October the 2nd, 2020, and features our good friend Case Klomp, whom we lovingly think of as the Buddhist businessman. Case is now Professor of Applied Science at Rotterdam University and founding partner of Thrive Institute, a think tank looking to reinvent business and society. According to him, the business of business is to serve life. That's its purpose, because without life, there is no business. During this conversation, he shares some challenging ideas about where the current economic system is taking us, and what he believes needs to change in order for business to be truly purposeful. We talk about how pain and purpose are intrinsically linked, and we also discuss the difference between meaning and purpose. We live in an age where the majority of people feel disengaged from their work and where the businesses they work for are having an adverse effect on our climate and environment. Case says these are symptoms of a broken system, that system being capitalism. However, he says that it's impossible to change a system unless we tackle the stories and beliefs that hold it up. And so it's up to all of us to re-educate ourselves into new, a new way of living that's based on interconnectedness rather than individualism. My well-being 
is your well-being and is the planet's well-being. I recommend you get yourself a nice hot drink and find a comfortable place to sit before you listen to this episode. Because if you're like me, your mind might just be blown. So enjoy. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you are. This is the Friday Fireside from the Happy Startup School. Um, it's uh, today, it's me and Lawrence. How are you doing, Lawrence? I'm good, thank you. Uh, and we're joined today by Case Klomp. Hey there. Um, yeah, as always, what we like to do is a bit of a check-in. So, um, yeah, how are you feeling, Case, today? I'm okay. I'm okay. Just generally okay <laughs> yes not good not bad it's, it's no, just, yes just i'm here and it's uh yeah and it's uh, i um anywhere between hope and fear that's where i am at this moment <laughs> a fine balance a fine line to, to walk especially in these days how about you lawrence i'm doing well yeah it's pretty blowy here in Brighton it's like uh, crazy winds and yeah it's not uh not one of the nicer days but I quite like these days to be honest it's it's, it's not one of those mad days it's like proper proper weather <laughs> um but yeah no I am uh, excited because well we were just having a quick catch up with case it's been a long time since we've yeah to catch up so I'm excited I I'm equally excited and I was just thinking about I have real strong memories of Summer camp in the the granary uh, with you, Case, talking to me about your kind of Buddhist business ideas. And at that time thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? But I think over the past five to six years, I have been on a journey of uh, mild enlightenment. So I think I'm slightly getting the gist of what we're, we're basically saying, as we found out a minute ago, he outworked you. <laughs> he, he yes, he totally outwoke to me. So one one for your dictionaries and thesauruses out there, uh, oh, one for mine anyway. Outwoking is a is a thing. I'm looking for the a new Olympic sport. How can you outwork each other? If you hang around in Brighton for long enough, you'll definitely see a lot of it around. <laughs> but in the spirit of of wokeness, uh, <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about purpose, uh, and and Case is going to share his ideas uh, on what purpose means to him uh, and and hopefully some of you already seen uh, in the video that we shared the little snippet we shared on crowdcast about his ideas of, of, of purpose and pain but before we dive into that stuff uh, I think for those of you who don't know case it'd be really uh, nice for you case maybe to just share what you what you do at the moment um, and then maybe we can we can dive into a bit more about how you got to where you are now yeah well, I'm doing I'm doing two uh, things. Um, uh, one of them is I I started Thrive Institute uh, a couple of years ago, um, and with um, Thrive Institute, we trying to accelerate the the purpose economy in um, in the Netherlands, and that actually resulted in in the fact that I yesterday I started as a professor of applied science at the Rotterdam University of Applied Science as a uh, well professor of purpose uh, economy. So uh, and there my my main job 
my main challenge is to to fundamentally change the economics um, education. So um, the, the, the and that is really good news that finally, 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 the business schools are well. You know, we outvote them as well, <laughs> and and uh, and and they they accept the fact that what they teach the students is unsustainable bullshit uh and um and and, and they want to change and well i i'm going to do that for the next five six years so in in five six years i have to completely revise the whole curriculum at the uh, at the uh, university no small job uh, no uh it isn't um but the time is the time is quite right so uh i expect a lot of resistance uh, but resistance is um, it, well, it's probably the biggest compliment you get and you can get. So uh, I'm actually looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. And um, well, we are we are going to discuss the importance and the role of of pain, and uh, and I think the pain has dramatically increased in the last couple of years, uh, socioeconomic. So uh, I think that the willingness to accept that this is a truly a dead end is one of the biggest accelerators of that um, of the process so uh, I'm, I'm actually i'm actually quite optimistic about uh, the, the the job ahead that's brilliant um so is this something that you've the, so these ideas that you've had i'm assuming they they've evolved over time or is this something you've you've known all the time and you've just been trying to basically wait for everyone to catch up with you what's your journey been like from from being i assume an entrepreneur and a business person to, to then actually working fully on purpose. Yeah, that is well. That's a that's a, that's a very good uh, question. And in and, and, and truth is, it is it's fully uh, emergent. So um, I vividly remember in two thousand six, I I worked on my um, on my first book, which uh, is only published in in Dutch, but it was called Enlightenment in Business. So it was a very heavily Buddhist influenced uh, book where I took the the Buddhist eightfold path and translated it to, into a management book. So I actually made eight walks outside of my house here, my farmhouse here in um, in in Drenthe with interesting people to explore the various elements of Buddhism and then try to um, uh, investigate the potential for for business. And during one of these talks, I, I very vividly remember. We, we were actually uh, discussing something completely different. And then the word uh, purpose econ economy popped up during our conversation. And for, I immediately knew instinctively that this, th this word is important. <laughs> there is something with this word. This, is, this matches everything I feel inside. And, and since then, I've been, I've been using it. Uh, and... Um, and I've become a lot more um, uh, skilled in trying to explain and elaborate what I really mean with it. So in 2006, 2007, I, it, I, I could not really explain to you what I meant. I just had a very strong sense of that, you know, this is, this is the deeper truth of, of, mm. um, of things. And uh, and uh, well, uh, if you start as a 
as a, with a professorship, you have to start with a research uh, um, premise, a, uh, a starting point for your, uh, for your research. So uh, I had to formulate, uh, a, a, well, let's say a, a theoretical starting point to investigate in the, in the next couple of years. And um, I was able to do that, to put, it in, to put it into words. So I actually now have a definition mm. of purpose uh, economy, which I never had. So, uh, so it, it, is, it, is, it is something that really emerged in the last couple of years. And, um, and, and it, 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 has, it has also changed a couple of uh, times because of pivotal moments, inside moments like, wow, fuck, I did this, I didn't know this one. Mm. And um, yeah, but it, it has been with me since literally since 2006, uh, only as a word is a starting uh, mm. point, but now it's uh, much more than it. And I, I feel, well, I'm, I'm curious as to kind of the foundations of it. And I, I, I understand there's a basis in your beliefs and, yes. and I understand you've been a Buddhist for what, 30 years now? 30 years, yes. Uh, so I, I'm curious of just briefly of that journey of, of becoming a Buddhist and what that's meant to you, just purely as a human being, not only as a business person or a, an academic now trying to change the system. Yeah, well, so um, I, became, uh, I became a Buddhist by accident. Uh, this, is, this is really true. Uh, so... I uh, I had a I had a very inspiring and important uh, grandfather, and my grandfather was a harbor worker in um, in in the Netherlands, and he was hardcore socialist, like hardcore socialist, like portraits of Marx and Engels uh, in the house, uh, and the whole library, Das Kapital, uh, all of that. Um, and for some reason, um, my grandpa and I had a really powerful connection on engagement. So um, I remember sitting down with my grandpa from very, very, very early age. And we had very engaged conversations about society. And, uh, and I remember one of the pivotal moments that I remember with, with, with him is uh, I grew, I grew, I'm, I'm 52 now and I grew, um, I can, I can still remember that in my, um, around uh, when I was around 10, uh, you, you had the famine in Africa uh, with live aid and, uh, mm. and, and, and all that. And that was for the first time, at, at, at least in my, um, uh, memory, uh, that there were people dying on TV, little children actually. And I remember that I um, I sat at home with my mom and dad, and my mom and dad uh, owned um, uh, owned a shop, so uh, they, they they had a they were more um, of the entrepreneurial uh, spirit. They had another political uh, theory they uh, followed. Um, I, I guess you know which one, um, and. Um, uh, and when we and I, and I and I can still remember, I can actually smell the smells as well. That we sat down for dinner and uh, and the TV was on, and I saw these children die on TV, and I wasn't able to eat physically. I couldn't eat. I was so overwhelmed with uh, emotion. So I asked my mom and dad for why the fuck is it possible that that we have dinner here on the table and that we actually throw away the leftovers, and they're a couple of hours uh, away, Ethiopia. 
you have children uh, die. Why the fuck don't we bring our food to those people over there? And then my mom and dad said, I think the most general uh, uh, reaction uh, at that time was, you know, case, come on, you know, finish your finish your dinner. You know, you can't. This is it is terrible what is happening over there. Uh, but you won't change it by not by not eating. And uh, we don't know why this happened. We don't know how to change it. So uh, come on, guy. And uh, and then on on Saturday, I would take my bike and then I would bike to my grandpa. And uh, and he had a completely different reaction than my 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 mom and dad. You know, he, he said, well, you, you, you couldn't eat your dinner. Good. Mm. <laughs> you know, you, you, you should not. Um, feel at ease with this. I mean, uh, you know, a problem is a problem, and uh, and if it is a problem, you have to figure out how to solve it. I mean, it's completely um, unacceptable uh, that indeed you throw away your food and uh, and these kids are, are dying. And then we would sit down and come up with some crazy scheme where we would make a big bowl of soup, and then we got we were going to sell it at the doors, and then earn some money, and and then. Um, send that money to an NGO, still being in the uh, uh, in the assumption that NGOs would do great work, which is, by, you know, something that is <laughs> has not uh, proven uh, um, a reality uh, as well. So um, I, I, I have been engaged as long as I uh, can uh, remember. But because my my grandpa was a, was a very classical extreme socialist, he was my my grandpa. My grandpa was most of all against everything. Yeah? So he was against exploitation, against hate, uh, against rich people. You, you name it. Uh, and uh, and because I was heavily influenced by by him from an engagement perspective, I became exactly the same. So when I was Sixteen, I joined. I joined a punk rock movement in uh, in the Netherlands. I I've st I started to study political science, and I I did anarchist studies. Uh, I bec I became full fledged anarchist. Bakunin and uh, especially Kropotkin were my uh, were my heroes. Uh, and then my my then girlfriend, she's she is my wife uh, uh, now. We went on holiday to to Thailand. With our backpacks, and um, and um, I knew Thailand was a Buddhist country, uh, but I I had a an opinion about that. You know, I wasn't impressed with it. I thought, you know, it's like it's like opium for the people. You know, oh Buddhism, fuck that. And then the first morning, we woke up in in Bangkok. Uh, we were, you know, fuzzy in our head, and we took a walk in the um, in the neighborhood, and there was a Buddhist um, monastery in a little uh, in a little corner, and we went in there, and um, and it, there were actually these monks that were um, uh, uh, getting rice from uh, from the from the lay people, the, the whole ritual that they do in the morning, and uh, and I can still remember that uh, my. Um, my my wife, my girlfriend, then she was taking pictures, uh, being a genuine a genuine uh, tourist at that moment, and uh, and I had a really strange sensation. I couldn't move, and I could literally feel that I was touched. So I had a very physical sensation. My whole body started tingling, and it was warm, and and uh, and especially in my chest area. 
but it wasn't it wasn't scary. It was actually really soothing. Uh, um, and I had this voice in my uh, head that popped up and said, you know, buy a book, get a book about Buddhism, <laughs> buy a book. And, uh, and that is actually what I did. So I, I went to, the, to a bookstore, bought a book by Thich Nhat Hanh, um, uh, The Heart of Buddha's Teaching. And uh, I opened it up and I started reading. And it, it became a really pivotal moment because what, I, what, what really struck me when I was reading it was I, I saw the same level of engagement that I knew from my granddad. The only difference was it was all positive, so it wasn't it wasn't anti-hate. It was pro-love. Uh, it wasn't anti-inequality. It was pro-equality, and uh, and that completely changed my whole dynamic. So uh, until that moment, I, I I had always been fighting the system, and from that moment on, I I, I understood that it is a, it is a waste to fight the system you have to focus on um, on on the yeah on the new sprouts uh, so to say and um, and that is the start uh, so, but uh, it all it really started with a physical sensation so it wasn't yeah really strange wow. and the strange thing is now when i now when i'm uh, i'm talking about this i can I, I'm sort of revisiting the whole uh, experience. It's really strange, yeah. But it really happened. It's, I can't, you know, it's, it's just what happened. And, I, and you, even you explaining that kind of real visceral experience, it, it feels like it's now seeped into everything that you do and, and the way you want to live and the way you want to be in the world um, and and is influencing the I, I assume now these ideas around purpose and and purpose economy. Um, what would be interesting is is I think this word purpose can get very uh, confused for some people, not understanding yes. what it really means. Uh, so to make sure that everyone here is clear about your idea of the definition of purpose, do you want to explain your thoughts on that? Yes. Um... So what I, what is important is in, in 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 the Dutch language, we only have we have one word for um, purpose, which is betekenis. Uh, and English the English language has two words, purpose and meaning. And um, one of the main misconceptions about purpose and purpose economy is that a lot of people. Uh, use the word purpose but actually are talking about meaning and uh and let, let me let me state the differences and uh, and also why it is important to accept the differences because there is both have really useful energy uh but then you have to use them in the in the in the right uh, way so meaning um uh it has has a lot to do or is basically what in 99.9% uh, uh, of the cases is described as, as purpose. It's something that takes shape and place in the penthouse of the Maslow uh, pyramids, and it has to do with um, self-realization, uh, self uh, um, um, the self-transcendence, uh, the, the whole, uh, the whole uh, shebang. Um, and what is really important about meaning is that it is a, a very strictly individual experience yeah? so uh, uh, 
Car uh, Carlos, Lawrence, uh, me, we all have completely unique experiences of meaning. And it has, and it has to do with the fact that you, you guys uh, are different people. You have different sets of, of qualities, personality uh, traits, etc. So uh, the fact that you want to realize yourself and your uh, your your fullest potential means that it it is by definition a individual uh, experience. And the way that people actually realize themselves is by taking stuff that's taking place in the world, uh, problems or whatever you want to call it, pain or whatever, and they use it. Um, to they take it for and they 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 use it to realize themselves yeah? so it's 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 an um, it's an outside in experience yeah? so you but it's in 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 every case it's strictly driven by an individual desire to become self realized yeah? so um um and that's why it's it, it's also associated with having a higher a, a higher cause or or a calling or whatever you want to uh, you want to name it um, and because it is taking shape and place in the penthouse of the Maslow uh, pyramid it is also associated with the values that belong in the penthouse of the Maslow pyramid which um, which uh, are uh, values that are ethically colored doing good uh being a positive part of the um, of society etc 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 you have you have other fancy words for it but i think you get what uh, what you mean so if you if you look at what is at this moment taking shape um uh, in the development towards the purpose economy that is actually what i call the first wave which is which is the wave of meaning and the whole meaning wave is powered by millennials and so it is it is no coincidence that you read all sorts of magazine in magazines and uh, and uh, business uh, news messages about brands companies wanting to want to do good want to attract people that want to have impact through their job uh, and they use the word purpose in many cases but we're actually always only talking about meaning yeah? so they are discovering the meaning of the company or rediscovering the meaning of the company you know and this is also the the, the domain of simon sinek with his why you know why why do we exist why how, well you get the picture purpose is something that takes place at the bottom of the Maslow pyramid, and it's uh, it's actually it's actually a level um, that Maslow didn't even integrate in uh, in his um, uh, uh, in his pyramid. And 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 don't get me wrong, I know we can have an academic debate about the the validity of Maslow uh, by itself, but you know, just for argument's sake, let's use it as a model of the discussion. But you guys know that his, the bottom of his um, model is the physiological needs. So we need, we need food, we need roof, uh, a roof above our head that, you know, and those are the most primary basic needs of human beings. And I think that this time that we live in is opening up a new basic demand and need which i call the existential needs because for the first time in the world uh, of in the history of mankind we are being consciously and consciously is a really important word 
but we are being consciously threaded in our human existence. Maybe we have been threaded a hundred times before, but we didn't know it. Now we know. Science is utterly clear about climate change, biodiversity loss, and you, you name it. So we know that um, we have to take care of our living planets, uh, maybe even before we take care of other basic uh, needs. Eh? So we need a planet before we need a roof above our head. And what is also really important and different is that these existential needs aren't individual egocentric driven, but they are collective. Because my well-being is your well-being. My planet is your planet. If we fuck up the climate, uh, then I, uh, it's mu as much my problem as it is your problem. So, uh, uh, and which is uh, also up for discussion because the global south has a lot more uh, pain um, uh, at this moment uh, in, in, in the whole climate uh, uh, change. But at, at the end, or biodiversity loss, but at the end, we all suffer if we kill life we kill um, we kill ourselves so purpose is not individual at all so there are millions and millions and millions of meanings but there is only there is one purpose and we all share the same purpose and the purpose we share is to accept that there are systemic living principles taking shape which we call nature and, uh, and we as humans have to understand and accept that we are part of that system. And, uh, and we play a role in that system. And either we play a positive role in that system or we play a negative destructive role in the system. So I think that the second wave of the purpose economy isn't, isn't ethically driven, but is existential awareness driven. So I think, and the, and the centennials are, driven, are driving that, um, transition and transformation so the reason why Greta Thunberg is the epitome of centennials is the fact that she has system criticism so millennials are willing to work for instance at a big oil company in because they have the 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 ID and the fulfillment of working in that company and create incremental change while the centennials want transformational, transformational change. They, they know that the, the system change is only system change when it betters the whole system rather than just a one player in, in the system. So that is why Greta Thunberg wants big oil to fall rather than uh, to be more sustainable. Yeah. So in my opinion, Purpose is the second wave and is creating a fundamental system change where the most important thing that is taking place is that economy will have a, will have a serving role rather than a leading role. So now we are all living and suffering under economic hegemony. Uh, and, and economics has become an ideology. And economics has become the equivalent of neoliberalism and GDP fetishism, uh, and we have to change that. And uh, so, so, but so, but purpose is completely dependable on acknowledging the fact that there is one system, which is called life, that human beings are part of that system, and that we have to act 
in a constructive way to serve that whole um, that whole system. So that is that goes even one step further than a humanity centric perspective. We need a species centric uh, perspective, mm. and uh, and then I'm way back at my Buddhism again, as mm. you uh, can imagine. <laughs> That's great. Does that make does that make sense, or was this too uh, theoretical? Well, I, the kind of like the 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 slow and stupid explanation that I, I comes up for me is there's like meaning is what's in it for me, and purpose is what's in it for us, and not just us as human beings, but us as this whole planet. And yes. to 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 Donald Trump, um, but. This whole idea of um, being able to distinguish between those two uh, so that you can then work out. And this is, I think, part of the conversation. Hopefully we can take this further. Is like, how can we empower ourselves to, to make that change? I just wanted to say, if you have any questions and you're listening to this, you think, oh, either I don't understand this or I have a comment, please post it either in the comments and we'll try and find it or post it as a question in the ask a question feature. Uh, but William McSweeney, he, he made a point here, but I think that you, you address as well. He says, uh, part of the problem is that purpose is subjective. Countries have different values, so it's bloody difficult to get people with different value systems to work together. Yeah. You talk about this idea of systems, symptoms, and stories. I don't yes. know if that addresses what William's talking about here. Yes. Um, yeah, so... Um um so at this at this moment there is a there is a a call for system change and it's becoming louder and louder and uh, and, and 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 louder again and, and this is also important to take uh to take into account and also something we can we can use also you guys uh, the the reason why this is such an interesting, fruitful period for, for activism is that we actually have two generations that although they have multiple differences, the millennials and the centennials, because there is a lot of differences between those two, they have one thing in common, is they, they both want system change. Or they want, to, well, let's, let, let's not over-exaggerate, they both want change. They are both change makers. So the millennials want change because it... Uh, it enables them to feel good about themselves. It experience. It, it enables them to to feel uh, to have a sense that their life is meaningful, that they helped humanity forward. And the centennials want system change because they acknowledge the fact that this system is unsustainable uh, in its uh, in its way. But you actually have a big cohort of anywhere between. The 10, 12, 13 year olds up to the 37, 38 year old that are targeted and driven towards the same thing. That is, they want things to be different than they are right now. So this is this is a big, big movement uh, uh, taking uh, shape. But we are we are uh, struggling with finding the right format to actually drive that change. So there is this big need demand for system change. Uh, and well, you know, you 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 know the drill. We go on the streets every Friday uh, with holding up plates uh, to to make our governments uh, take climate change uh, serious. Uh, 
we have lawsuits against uh, companies. Uh, we have people that uh, try to install ecocide, etc., 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 etc. But it's always good to understand, and this is actually um, one of the uh, things that Charles Eisenstein has worked uh, on, which I think is one of the big, uh, biggest uh, philosophers of this uh, time uh, and era. Um, and he makes a distinction between the the the, the level of systems, symptoms, and stories. Yeah? So his philosophy is um, symptoms are always, lie always on top on, system, on, on systems, and systems always lie on top on stories. And if you really want to change uh, something fundamentally, you have to start at the level of stories. Yeah? So if, if you take the current, the current system, uh, the symptoms of the current system is shareholder value, profit maximization, externalization of all sorts of non-monetary, non-financial costs to a society. Yeah, you, you, you name them, all the things that we see in the newspaper uh, these days. The system thinking behind it is called capitalism or neoliberalism with the uh, invisible hand uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, Milton Friedman, uh, the, the only business of business is, uh, is business. This is all the level of system, but underneath that is a story of separation. It's a story of individualism where people have to take care of themselves and my success is my success only and uh, there is win and there are winners and losers and it, it actually goes back all the way to the Bible where you have Adam and Eve, good and evil. Uh, um, so we, we basically, it's a, it's a story about dualism. Um, and what Charles has, in, has introduced, there's a completely other different story which he calls the story of interconnection. And the story of interconnection doesn't start in the Bible, but starts way before the Bible. It starts with indigenous people. And indigenous people um, uh, don't treat nature as something that is outside their reality, something that they are above or that, that, they, that they are exploited. They are nature. They live in complete symbiosis with, with nature. So they, they, there is no dualism there. There is holism there. And they they are um, it's completely about an in, an integral way of um, of living and and dealing and if you take that up you you end up with um, the symptoms uh, that are actually that that are also really visible at at this moment that are really hopeful huh? so uh, like um, well being economics with with Catherine uh, Trebek by, with you guys in in England in Scotland with. New Zealand and, and, and Scotland and Wales and Finland and Iceland all leaving GDP and installing uh, completely new metrics based upon um, on, on, on well-being and regenerative agriculture is part of this story. So um, so what we need to do, it, we, we mustn't fight the capitalist system because if we don't change the narrative, if we don't change the belief that has caused the system which has caused the symptoms, uh, then uh, we end up with the with the same problem. So uh, that's why I think that the most important thing that we have to do, and this is this is not only us in this uh, in this bubble, but uh, this, I mean everybody. And this is also why I have taken the challenge offered me to 
um, start working in, in education in the university really serious is we have to change the narrative. The narrative is everything. Uh, if people don't acknowledge the fact that interconnectedness is a living reality, is a fact, uh, then nothing ever changes because that story fires the system that is installed right now. And, uh, and if we change that system, then we, uh, then we can have a look to, for instance, capitalism and all its symptoms and, uh, and, and, and wonder what the fuck, are, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> what, what is it? So we have, so we have a system installed in which 1% of the world has the same amount of wealth and the rest of the planet uh, together. We have six guys that have the same amount of wealth than the whole African continent. We have two Americans that have more money than the whole United Kingdom's GDP. I mean, hello. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. But, but seen from a perspective of dualism, you know, they are the winners. They did well. <laughs> you know, they did exactly what they needed to do. They are successful. Uh, from an um, from an interconnective perspective, they are the epitome of stupidity. Uh, but we have to change the way that we look to towards those symptoms and to uh, to also change the the system. The, the the system isn't changed by fighting the symptoms. Wow, um, I just yeah, mind blown. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious, actually, you know, you know, from our if. We, there's a, there's a big story, big kind of ideas, and I, I just wanted to take it maybe down to a bit more of a personal level. Like for myself and Lawrence, we're running uh, a alternative business school, for want of a better term, and we talk a lot about meaning and purpose. I don't know, what, Lawrence, you're hearing what cases talked about, you know, how, what, how does that frame the kind of things that we talk about when we're taking people on journeys of kind of building these businesses? Has, has it made you rethink about any stuff? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, Friday afternoon thought. Oh. Well, what do you, I think while you were talking, I mean, like the, it's the inconvenient truth when you bring these things up, right? And I think that's why it can be difficult to have these conversations because it can feel like, where's the hope? Like, if, as an optimist, where's the hope? And and I I think when you talk about stories, that feels more empowering because I feel like even when we first started. We were trying to tell a story of a vision for the future that was more, indeed, uh, that was more um, hopeful. You know, for us in terms of we could see, and maybe we didn't talk about planet and nature, but it was just the way we're working isn't working for us as individuals, and we see a better future where we work more together. And it's not about winners and losers, and it's not about you know, if, if like um, a question you get asked if you run a business school or startup school is who are the success stories from your community, right? And that's a question I hate because it implies that there's people who didn't succeed. And so I think we've always told a story about a community driving change together rather than individuals winning and losing. So I guess what I've taken out of what you just said is how can we really hammer home this message of interconnectedness in a way that feels empowering rather than I'm just one person, like going back to your conversation with your parents and like, well, you can't change anything, you're one person. Go, go and eat your dinner to actually know it is your responsibility, but it's also our responsibility too to feel like you can actually make a difference. Mm. I feel a lot of people feel yeah, I got, 
feel a bit helpless when they have these conversations like, well, I'm just one person. Does that make any difference? Well, guys, and also to be um, to be um, mild towards uh, ourselves. No, but it's important. It's also good to note that one of the um, challenges that we have is not only to change the narrative, um, but with changing the narrative, always also comes changing the the language and therefore also the the, the value language. So at this moment in time. It is still uh, the case that we only have one value language in business, which is money. Yeah. So, uh, and the truth is, and we've discussed this previously also uh, during uh, Happy Startup uh, camps, um, that the entrepreneurs that we fancy, that we find inspiring, are the ones that, um, from an intrinsic motivation, are doing things differently. But what they're basically doing different is that they, they don't really care that much about money. <laughs> they are willing to accept the fact that they make less money than they would do um, if they would be very strict to the rules. Because the system at this moment, the current system is the system of ego, is the system of dualism. And that system says that, you know, if you lower your cost, uh, as much as possible, you have as much margin as possible, which means you make the most profit, which ends, which results in the fact that you are, will become more successful. So the incentive in the current system is to actually harm each other and the planet. Um, uh, where we are going to, and I'm absolutely sure that we will get there. And, and in this case, then I'm the really optimistic dude is I am sure that this transition will result in a new value language where we won't only value companies by their prof uh, financial profit and loss. We will also integrate their societal profit and loss. And it will be as normal as financial performances that, for instance, we will look at the biodiversity performances of a company at this moment. It is impossible to go to a bakery and pay with biodiversity profit. It's, you know, it's worthless <laughs> because it says nothing about the financial performances of a, of a company. But that is as unsustainable as the current system is. So we, I, I'm absolutely sure that we will broaden the language. And by broadening the language, entrepreneurs can finally do other stuff with their companies than just make money or make money in a certain way. Mm. I mean, it is at this moment in time, completely impossible, for instance, to have a company that is really driven towards creating biodiversity profit. You, it, it can be a it can be a goal of uh, of the um, of your business. But there is a limit to what you to what you can do, which is the financial feasibility of what whatever you, you're doing. And uh, and I I hope and think that that will all that dynamic will also change because the, the more that we understand system value and the way that system works, the more we will understand that money is a really stupid measurement of success of a company. It's it's borderline idiotic actually, hmm. uh, but but it's but it's the current it's the current hegemony. Yeah. So we have to do it. We have to deal with it. So it's also it's also good to be to be slightly mild towards yourself, being uh, two founders of a business school, because you have to work with um, the rules that uh, are 
driving your business school as well. <laughs> I mean, you would be a really bad school if you would say, you know, guys, don't worry about profit. <laughs> don't worry about turnover. You know, it's you need turnover and profit at this moment because it's the other way, the only way that we think companies can be valuable or profitable mm. formally. Well, as you said, this is the system we're in. Uh, and and the uncomfortable truth is that system is a broken system, but at the same time, without working within it, then it's it, the question is, is what change can we make if we're not around to be there on the long term to make that influence? And um, I, I just want to go back to uh, at the beginning, Alison, um, I was asking about what purpose means to you. And she says a non-commercial reason for existing on this year planet. And what I heard you say uh, was basically to make decisions that aren't based purely on maximizing profit. That for me is is one of the shifts in terms of how I understand being a purposeful business is. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I I, th I think the best way to describe the difference between meaning and purpose is meaning is um, is a um, subjective individual choice to act a, in a positive, constructive societal way, and uh, which can be really important, uh, but purpose is always about system value. Uh, so um, le let me give you an example to, to make it. So, so for instance, if we take the Dutch agriculture, um, they are considered one of the most sustainable uh, agriculture uh, sectors in um, in the world. Yeah? So if you look at their sustainability efforts, they outsmart you guys, for instance, in the um, in the UK. So we do we we do we do we do really well. Um, but still, if you look at the whole sector, the 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 current food and food and agri sector, especially the meat industry, is is highly toxic and uh, completely unsustainable. And the difference between purpose and system is that a, a purpose can be a company that says, uh, you know, we did we did really bad and we're going to do better. Uh, so to make it really simple, you know, you're an you're an alcoholic and you drink sixty bottles of beer, and you you um, you uh, you are able to control your urge to only twenty uh, bottles of beer, which means that you have done 40 better which is tremendous so this is what you see a lot of companies do now they show you look 40 better i'm doing great but it's incremental change and uh but you're still if you if if your problem is still 20 20 bottles of beer you're still an alcoholic so purpose is about going uh beyond the 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 point of zero so it it means that you are actually having a positive contribution to the whole system rather than being um, a more positive uh, example of yourself. Mm. And so that's why I also make a distinction between sustainability and thriveability. So sustainability is doing your utmost best to be a positive influence in the world, but within the business as usual frame. <laughs> Thriveability is about radically serving whatever is needed to enhance life in general for all the species. Uh, and so it's always about system. And so what you just described as, as, as purpose, uh, I think that is also meaning because it's driven by a 
subjective soul company rather than the whole system. Mm. Right, brain is whirring, cogs are spinning. Sorry, guys. That's great. No, it's perfect. And well, it is great because you're getting so many questions and comments now. So you're getting people to think and 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 question. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge Kim was asking. Uh, she's curious about what the organizing force would be uh, to get us to act collectively. I understood what you were talking about. That one of these things is what you're doing now is education. It's like this shifting of the narrative, shifting the stories so that the system becomes redundant in a sense, or the current system is seen as not fit for purpose. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, yes, yes. Cool. Yeah, so so education actually is all narrative. <laughs> it's all narrative. I, I think Lawrence Shorter touched on this as well, is whether... It's, is it also about raising consciousness? Because he talks about, you know, we've, we've probably always lived in a broken system. Um, but is it important for us to change ourselves before we look to change the world or change each other? Because we see it, it's we see a lot of finger pointing at the moment, and it's quite easy to blame you know, blame others rather than yes, looking wood. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 t I totally agree with with Lawrence, and this is also the reason why now, and you will see this uh, a lot more in the upcoming years and decades. A sort of, uh, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually about to release a um, a new book, uh, and uh, and I, I, I try to, um, um, I'm calling this, I, I'm, I'm calling this respect the older the elders so what you what you will see in uh, in 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 the next uh, decades is a, uh, an ever increasing respect for indigenous peoples and indigenous cultures because they are actually the only cultures that have lived in this interconnected uh, system not uh, 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 treating nature as a resource or exploiting and and also treating other humans as a, as a research. So you, you actually, there's actually a lot of wisdom in indigenous uh, uh, cultures. Uh, so um, uh, at, at least I, I'm not sure if, if this is what Lawrence uh, means, but I, I totally agree that the, uh, the system is, isn't broken uh, in the last couple of years. I mean, I think from a story perspective, the brokenness has already started in the Bible. Literally. Cool. Uh, and I think um, Marcel touched on that as well. Uh, there is a route to all of this. Um, so uh, there's a, quite a number of questions we've got um, that would be nice to maybe finish up on. Uh, I think some we may have addressed already, but I think uh, maybe just giving them a little focus again. So we've got Matt here asking, is business purpose an individual purpose? And the difference is, uh, their difference is causing conflict and destruction through self-interest, i.e. my purpose is better than your purpose kind of attitude. Uh, I think you talked to that in terms of actually what purpose really means. Is that right? Yeah, so come, businesses have no purpose. Any business, is, any business that states it has a purpose is purpose washing. 
and it's also it's also also really simple uh, to to uh, to see it because what you always see it is it's just a mission state with 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 fancier words. Uh, they don't fundamentally change their business. They're, only if a business is adding positive uh, 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 positive energy uh, on a system level, then uh, a company is actually um, performing its um, uh, its purpose. And so this this is also why, and I think this is also something I mentioned uh, during um, the the startup camp. That it is, it is completely useless to formulate a purpose, because purpose is a verb. You can it's, you can only see a, fur, a a purpose happening in real time. It's behavior. Yeah? So if if you if you do the stuff that is decreasing suffering, that is adding positiveness and liveliness in the system then you are performing in a purposeful way and you don't need words for that i mean so it it it, it isn't also for nothing that companies that are really um hyped up about purpose are the companies that are the most classic shareholder driven uh bullshit companies um it's marketing it's just marketing guys so what is, I've got a question for you. Was it Milton Friedman said the business of business is business, right? What, would you, what is the business of business for you? The business of business is to serve life. And, and the reason is really simple, that if we don't serve life but destroy life, uh, you know, it all ends. I, 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 don't know, I, I don't know if you've, if, if you've seen it. Otherwise, I will share it with you. Satish Kumar the mm. the founder of Schumacher College he has a legendary phenomena video it only lasts 38 seconds in in which he explains that economy is a subset of ecology so if we destroy ecology um we we destroy economy because we destroy life and what we've learned by now and this is the this is the this is the 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 central point of everything that is happening right now, that we have created an economy that is actually an ideology and that ideology is killing the planet. And it's and therefore it's killing us. I, I, I mean, I had a I had a discussion a couple of weeks ago with a, an eco modernist, modernist, which is a neoliberal uh, with a green um, uh, sort of a green image. Yeah, so th these are the people that don't want to uh, uh, acknowledge the fact that we have to degrow our economy to uh, to fundamentally change our footprint on on the planet. They believe in technological innovation, and this this guy and he meant it from the bottom of his heart. He said, "You know, uh, we can make drones that are so small that they can actually um, help us." To deal with bee starvation, so you know the bees will probably extinct, uh, will go extinct. But thank God we can make little drones where that enable us to uh, to fulfill the work uh, that the bees have uh, have have done. Um, I mean, this is, in my humble opinion, the the the, the complete sickness of this uh, current uh, generation and, and society in one anecdote. 
Mm. I mean, would it be more feasible to maybe like save the bees rather than let them go instinct and then create drones to? Uh, so, so, the, so our, our problem is on a story level. Makes mm. uh, me think we want we want uh, we we don't mind killing the bees, but we want Elon Musk to live forever. Yes, yes, we want we we have to take we have to take into account that we our storyline is that we think uh, that the, the only uh, that society and economy are the same mm. and that is and it, it's also it's also really interesting and it's also something i've done for my new book it's also really interesting to see how that worked i mean the gdp the reason why gdp is so really successful is it, it is because it is run like a corporate, like a multinational. It, I mean, there are zillions of better measurement methods around beyond GDP that measure well-being and so and uh, etc. But the only the, the reason why they're not installed this massively as GDP has to do with power. I mean, the reason why GDP is so powerful is because it is inf infiltrated over the last 75, 80 years of neoliberalism, the political uh, sphere. And, and that's why uh, we treat it as, uh, as natural. But it isn't natural, it's normal, it's usual, but there's a big, big difference between what is normal and what is natural. And, and GDP is a crappy measurement method. But the reason why we still use it and therefore have the assumption that everything is well with the UK as long as the economy grows, which is the current way of looking at society, um, it's all done because of the machinery behind GDP. So we are we are all living in 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 an ideological illusion uh, that uh, that is called economy. Mm. <laughs> uh, so we're we're living in the matrix. We just need to you, you, definitely yes, <laughs> way way in the matrix. Yes. <laughs> oh, I can't. Yeah, and you are playing the Morpheus role. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a question here from uh, Elspeth, but maybe you can like translate a bit for us. She asks, uh, "What case? What do you believe is the best middenweg right now? Is that middle way? Given yeah, the middle way, the middle way we are in and the route we're on towards planet-driven system. I don't know if that came across right. Yeah." Yeah, so the middle, so the middle way is a is is one of the fundamentals of Buddhism, uh, and um, it's also interesting to because there's a lot of misconception about the middle way because a lot of people think the middle way is somewhere in between good and bad. Yeah, so it's a bit good and a bit bad. So it's it's grayish, uh, where in fact the middle way is is a third way. Yeah? So it's about ex accepting um, two sides. Of a story and then try to transcend those stories to see where is the common ground rather than mixing them uh, them up and uh, and yes i think um there are um quite feasible and fundamental ways to um um to mend to heal the story of separation and the story of interconnection, because I think that that is on the most fundamental uh, level what we what we need to uh, to do. And and it's quite it's quite simple actually that if we would be able, and this is also a a, a language uh, thing, a narrative 
thing. So if we would be able to, from, econo from economic perspectives, uh, perspectives, not talk about wealth, but health, uh, then we can recognize that there are lots and lots and lots of new economic thinkers uh, and, uh, and, and theories and practices that are geared towards generating health rather than wealth, uh, but from a financial perspective. And on the other hand, if we take um, the, 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 the wealth perspective that is normally associated with uh, economics, we can also trans translate that into ecological perspectives. And this is something that, for instance, you can see in uh, taking shape in, in commons, where people acknowledge that, for instance, a forest has a, an intrinsic value to itself. So it's not a value that can be exploited or can be treated as a resource, but yet still we can acknowledge the fact that it has value. Yeah, so in a, in a very strange way, we can, we can, by creating a sort of a cross fertilization, we can, we can take from the economic normal of financial value and then translate it into non-financial value, but acknowledging the fact that it has real true hard value. And on the other hand, we can use input from the immaterial non-monetary um, world of environmentalism or, or, or ecology or biomimicry and then translate it into an economic um, realm uh, with thinkers like uh, Catherine Trebek, uh, David Bollier, Kate Rayward uh, from the UK. You, you, you probably uh, have heard of those. They are all doing this. They are actually um, looking at economics from a integral health perspective rather than just a financial wealth perspective. Uh, and on the other hand, you have all sorts of initiatives, for instance, in food and agri with uh, a nature inclusive uh, uh, farming or regenerative farming that, that are actually using biological or ecological methods to create new value that also has a monetary relevance. D does that make sense? So it's, uh... Yeah, no, I, I definitely. There's, um... There's a few things there that for me, it's, it's it comes down for me. It's like different definition, finding de better definitions of success and better definitions of value. Um, and we're, we're hooked on this very simple monetary measure of value. Uh, and, and the challenge seems to be having this common different perspective of what value is. <clears throat> and I feel that like there's so much more we could dive into here. Um, I'm conscious as well, the time has flown by. <laughs> uh, maybe we're gonna have to do another one of these because i think there's a there's so many thoughts and questions and apologies if we haven't answered all of your questions out here but i think before we 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 finish off maybe just some final thoughts really um given there's so much that we've covered um uh, lawrence anything that that you're going to take away from this that that's been useful for you uh well i think it's a good wake-up call again it's always good to have these conversations, particular case, because he, he always challenges all of us, I think, to think bigger and think in a way that isn't self or ego driven. And I think we're all guilty of that because it feels like we're in a game and it's really, you have to fight against the game to, to kind of do things that matter. And so for me, it's just, I think, thinking about how we can all play our part, I think that's what, maybe what I'd like 
to get Kay's um, thoughts on before we depart is for people to feel, like you said, you're an optimist despite all of this. How can people feel like they can contribute and go on that path to something bigger? And maybe they're not even on the meaning path yet. Can they go straight to the purpose um, purpose path without having to go on that journey? Yes, and yes, and and like because yeah, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, I haven't got a thing, and what's my idea? What's my yeah? Maybe I don't feel the pain. I don't know where to start. There's so much, so much they want to do. I don't know even where to begin. Well, I I I think it's an excellent question, and it brings us back, I think, to um, uh, that the 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 moment where uh, I I was on on stage in. uh, in, in in England, where we were discussing the relationship between purpose and pain, I think one of the ultimate things to to do to work towards system change and purpose is acknowledging the fact that happiness and pain are not enemies. And so a lot of people associate happiness with pleasure or with passion, with good vibes, mm. uh, ego centric good vibes uh like i want it makes me feel good it makes me feel good about myself makes me feel good about the world makes me it, but it's always this this sense of um um positiveness and i'm using this because as a buddhist uh i've learned a completely different definition of of happiness which is that the ultimate happiness happiness is is to sit to be with whatever uh reality is putting on your plate Uh, so uh and in my humble opinion there's a lot more reason to be anxious and to be fearful and to be sad and to be mad at this moment than there is to be um shiny happy uh uh hey guys uh we're all fine um so i think that if we would be able to do that to really open up and to not really give too much attention to our own rigid, narrow um, uh, perspective of happiness, uh, and and rather, um, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe change the, the the narrative more for openness or contentment. Uh, then I think you we we are we can all see that systemic thinking isn't rocket science at all Mm. it's actually it's actually quite uh it's it's quite it's it's up close and personal i mean uh you can practice system value in your gardens uh in your companies uh uh, in your families in your you know when with the way that you raise your children's in the way that you drink tea for god's sake it can be in anything it is it has much more to do with a lived, embodied, intrinsically driven uh, uh, practice than it has to do with uh, having some sort of uh, very secretive uh, uh, big breakthrough idea that will change uh, the world. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's also really good to accept the fact that the way that we sit here with each other, there is only so much that we can do on the global playing field. 
and uh, and and that is also a fact. Mm-hmm. And so it, it you know there's also a very thin line between being a change maker and being a narcissistic asshole. <laughs> uh, I want to see that diagram. <laughs> um, I was just thinking. A little bit of a challenge for you here, Case, and maybe it's a bit putting you on the spot. What I got from this conversation is uh, we're all addicted to this system we're on at the moment. And we, many of us, unconsciously make decisions based on this habit of more self-capitalism and and whether that's in business or in personal life. One of the most powerful things... uh, I've experienced and also we we try and communicate on our programs is a simple mantra to help you guide some of the complex decisions that come up for you when you're trying to make a decision. And and the mantra for the status quo, I think, is does it make a profit in business? Mm. If you were able to offer a mantra for all of us, when we're just about to do something instinctively habitual that isn't necessarily useful, is there something that we can remember that, that will help us decide or make a more powerful decision around the next step? Well, I, th- I, I think the, the, I think the mantra we, uh, we discovered a couple of years ago, uh, stop doing business, start being human is still quite valid. So maybe, uh, maybe we should stick to this. I mean, if, if we would be able to just stop doing business, <laughs> And uh, and uh, and um, and start being humans, uh, and um, yeah, and 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 you know, think about well, you guys think about your own families. I mean, how sick would it be if you would run your families like a company? I mean, there's just no way. I mean, it's about love, and it, it, it's 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 un, it's unconditional, and all these its elements, it's all in there. Human nature. That that is also part of that crappy economy ideology that we are selfish, uh, uh, only uh, only interested in our own uh, good, utility driven. It's that's all part of the narrative. It's a myth. It's bullshit. Um, so I think if we if we could just all stop doing business and start being human, we um, we can get uh, very far. So uh, six words. <laughs> Stop doing business. Start being human. T-shirt will be soon available on the Happy Startup. <laughs> you go ahead, guys. <laughs> you trademark it now. Case, that was amazing. Um, I feel fully energized and, and just so many ideas popping out in my head. I'd, thank you very much for your time and your wisdom. Yeah, thank you, Case. Um, it's a pleasure, guys. It was uh, really cool to be in, the, in your midst again. And um, yeah, if if people want to find out more about you, um, uh, where where's the best place to point them? Uh, I'm particularly following your um, journey as a professor. I'm, I'm curious to know what happens next with that. Yeah, well, probably the the the, the best way is to hook up with me on LinkedIn because uh, I uh, I use LinkedIn as my uh, uh, diary uh, basically. Uh, so uh, I, I I share stuff on uh, on on there on a daily basis. So maybe that's the the the, the easiest. Fantastic. Well, um, some lovely quotes. Everyone's very grateful for your time. So thanks again. Profile to, to Casey's profile in the chat. Go connect with him. Learn from him. 
uh, follow the mantra. Uh, and yes, one day the system will change. <laughs> yes, change the narrative. <laughs> change the narrative. Take care. Thank you very much, Case. Bye bye. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?